2: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. In this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed, is the Mandalorian report. I am very excited to report on Chapter Ten of the Mandalorian. I am Joseph Scribshaw, and I am
3: Ken Napsock. I was going to try to do a little Gordonson's music. I just can't. I can't. I I don't have the skills just to be like, <laughs> uh, but uh, yep yeah,
2: yeah. I can't. <laughs> I can't stop doing it. It's so good. So catchy, so powerful, and you being used in so many different great ways. Uh, but uh, we're going to be able to discuss the different ways, because there were some fun music cues in this episode, I thought. Uh, and we're going to dive in by just first reminding you what it is we're talking about. This is season two, of course, that we're in. This is chapter 10. The title is The Passenger. It is written by John Favreau, directed by Peyton Reed, and it's about 42 minutes of lovely Star Wars content. Any thoughts on just those basics, Ken? Uh, Look, Favreau getting his
3: little notepad out that he probably was making notes on back in high school and just uh, having fun writing kind of a weird, wacky, heartfelt Star Wars adventure. Uh, And Peyton Reed, you know, I don't, I don't have a a hot take either way. on Peyton Reed, other than I did enjoy uh, the Ant-Man stuff he's done. Uh, Other than that, you know, you, you, I wouldn't be good on a movie talk show with Peyton Reed opinions, <laughs> uh, but this one, I, I really love what he, what he did with it. I really did, really yeah. did.
2: Yeah, I do not know his filmography much outside of the Ant Man movies, but I felt it, it, as soon as the episode started, within the, the trailer, not the trailer, the, uh, the teaser before it says the Mandalorian, um, I could really feel like this is somebody who really likes action and comedy and can blend them really well. It's like, mm-hmm. this is either Rick Famuyiwa <laughs> or Peyton Reed episode, because uh, I didn't yep. uh, bother to look it up ahead of time. So I think I really appreciated that about Peyton Reed. And I'll probably bang on about that a little bit more, that great combination of comedy and action. But let's talk about our big overall reactions to the episode. Ken, is this a love it? Is this a like it? Is this a struggle with it? Is this an asterisk somewhere?
3: <laughs> you look last week, people are still talking about it in Force Center land. Joseph and Ken were perfectly aligned on episode one, chapter nine, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, of uh, Mandalorian, which, uh, you know, I'm having fun there. Uh, let me tell you something. I, I really did love this episode. I really loved it. It it, it moved me. It, it inspired me personally. We always talk about engaging with the story presented to you. And I, maybe not you, but I sometimes use that to say. Don't take so many of your own emotions into the episode and then use that against the episode, if that makes sense. And I don't mean to, that's not me lecturing or anything, just sometimes I just, you know, in, that's what Engage With the Story presented means to me a lot, a, a large percentage of it. And this one, I got some personal inspiration from it, which, by the way, is something I still believe is tremendously important to Star Wars. That's never what I'm saying. Shut down your emotions and watch it. I'm just saying uh, I, I was I, I had some connections with this and and uh, and, and loved it. Uh, I, that said, I don't know on rewatches, is this going to be the episode I always go to first rewatch? Probably not. We all have that. I don't know if I'll watch chapter five as much, uh, going forward as say I will seven, eight or two or three. I know you love uh, chapter six. I do. You might go to that, uh, before other ones. Uh, so that this is one of those episodes, but what was there, the story there, man, really good. And, and I did love it.
2: Yeah, no, I love everything you're saying. You, you are, you're you uh, singing some of the greatest hits of our four Center perspective, which I think is great. Um, and to me, the way I break down what you're talking about is I just always want to take responsibility for any emotional baggage that I bring and it's fine if I say, like, I really don't like this kind of Star Wars. Uh, like, puns. I'm not a big fan of puns. Uh, that's a, a comedy opinion I have. So Star Wars that has a lot of puns, I'll be like, I don't like that because I don't like puns. But that I want to make that distinction between the episode was bad, you know, the episode had the the, uh, pizza of Star Wars uh, had some pun toppings that I don't enjoy. So I have to eat around them, Uh, which so I like being aware of my emotions that way of what am I bringing to it? How is it affecting it? Can I, you know, analyze the episode and take responsibility for my baggage? But then on the other side of what what I think you're saying is, yeah, we should absolutely let uh, any kind of entertainment or art inspire us, you know, and if anything touches you and inspires you and goes, oh, that that conflict that this character is going through and the the way that they got through that, I see that in a conflict that I'm wrestling with. And maybe that gives me some ideas about how to better wrestle with it, maybe resolve it or maybe just look at it and understand it better. I think that's great. I think that's how we should emotionally interact uh, with any kind of storytelling.
3: Yeah, perfect. Thank you for, for cleaning up uh, my words there. No, I'm, I, I I mean that because, yeah, I, 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 I do run into the problem of if if you felt you needed something from this particular chapter or this particular movie and they didn't give you that specific thing and therefore the movie's bad and the creators are bad before that, I, 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 I fight against that. I, I straight up fight against that. Um, but I want you all to be moved on personal levels. And Star Wars continues to do that because we all have different perspectives, upbringings, outlooks. Uh, and it's going to find you uh where it needs to find you and, and this episode did for me so uh, uh that we'll start off with the four center well said on our greatest hits tool uh, we do we do officially need to make the Star Wars bingo game sell it as a board game we're sitting <laughs> on a landmine of a uh, gold mine and a landmine maybe uh <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting uh, on a gold landmine we will die rich, rich. Yeah, we only exactly. Anyway, so that's my uh, emotional uh, preamble to uh, what we're going to talk
2: about. That's great. That's a great little teaser because I can't wait to get into what emotionally affected you in this episode because I thought it really was an emotionally effective episode. Uh, I loved this episode. Uh, If I continue with my Star Wars analogy where Star Wars is a pizza and lots of people like pizza, but then once you put the different toppings on it, people have strong opinions about whether or not that pizza Mm -hmm. is good. This Star Wars pizza had uh, pepperoni and mushrooms and uh, both mozzarella cheese and big piles of goat cheese. And it's not for everyone, maybe, but I loved it. Uh, And the particular ingredients that I responded to is it was such a great adventure cereal. I I talk about that a lot, that that is a big part of uh, Star Wars origins, the literally literal Saturday morning serial where uh, characters would go from one problem to the next and there'd be a cliffhanger and you can see that structure in the original trilogy and this episode just in and of itself was so literally out of the frying pan into the fire kind of action not quite literally but close uh it was so here's one problem now how could how could our heroes possibly get out of this problem oh I see a way that they might oh the problem just got much worse that great Mm -hmm. just foot on the gas, forward moving, one problem after the next, and I would enjoy the episode if it was just that, because I love that kind of storytelling, I don't think we have as much of that kind of storytelling as I would personally like to see just out in the, uh, in our human galaxy, so I'm thrilled anytime I, I see it, but I thought that action was so married to the emotional theme that it, there were there are images that were uh, to me like really wonderfully on the nose but just the overall emotional thing we'll talk about the themes of course but for me it was just there are holes in Mando's armor <laughs> metaphorically mm. And challenges of all kinds are pouring in through the holes. And that becomes so literal by the end of, like, he's so vulnerable. He's got so much to protect, and he's not sure how to do it. And there's literally a hole in his ship, and he literally has nowhere safe to run as the problems pour in. So that, like, foot on the gas, one problem after another action really supported what I thought was going along uh, around emotionally with with Mando. Yeah, that's
3: that's that's eerie are you looking at my did I share my google doc Uh, (laughs) no right there with you on that stuff and that's some of the stuff that that uh, got to me in in, in a
2: great way oh excellent Uh, yeah yeah Uh, we'll dive into that uh, in in, uh, full full context Um, I I also just thought that the action and comedy moments were really well combined as I said I thought this was a great uh, episode for the child this was the child's episode Mm -hmm. to shine there was a ton of fun moments just in terms of this sort of uh, emotional storytelling, it was great. There was development, but also in uh, the gift factory that is the child, there were some like different images, some different ideas. That you know, the the puppet was uh, stretched to the, <laughs> yeah. the max uh, of finding ways to I- express himself, which was great. Uh, my last kind of big picture thing that I wanted to say about uh, why I love this episode so much is, I think it was. A really great contrast to Chapter Nine, which I also really loved. Don't worry, when I don't love things, I will say it. Uh, but when I do, I'm going to be honest that I loved him. Uh, last episode, Chapter Nine, uh, I thought Mando had went through some challenges and had some things to learn, and you know, still bouncing, being you know a father and being on a quest and maybe kind of stepping up to be a leader, all sorts of things. But in general, Mando was in control and kicking ass. He was the one who knew how to solve the problems he could if he wanted to he could have taken that armor from Cobb Vance no problem in a fight you know you never got a sense that he was in trouble with that then he knew the cultural uh, uh connections to make with the Tuscan Raiders uh he went through a little bit of a challenge but he blew up the crate Dragon saved everybody and like walked off dust in his shoulders basically right mm-hmm. so he was that episode was triumphant for Mando and then suddenly Everything is a problem for him this episode, which is just, just a great contrast. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's some other minor. I want to I just kind of almost just, just start diving in that. But um, um, just because that's the opening sequence to me. And, and everything you're talking about is what I connect with uh, in this. It's just like I don't get pulled in by Thrawn a lot. Now, Thrawn has a lot of, of, of fans, as he should. But you and I have talked about it. Sometimes he's so in control and he's so right and he's so never defeated. And you just kind of wait for him to tell you what's happening. Mando at times. Hear me out, folks. Mando at times is reminiscent of that for me. Not in a bad way. There's not even a about I'm not saying a bad way about Thrawn because there's great things to learn from Thrawn. There's philosophies to analyze connected to Thrawn. There's all those kind of things. Um, last week, exactly what you said. He all that chaos and lessons learned. He is uh, He's sweating. But he's kind of got it in the back of his pocket. You know, we got this. We got this. And this episode picks up pretty much right up right after that. He's cruising along another day of victory for the Mandalorian. Oh, God, he's tripped up by that (laughs) rope, And literally from there, just this entire episode, Mando is slightly out of his element. He does not have all the knowledge. He does not have all the skills to get through this. And it affects him. And
2: that moved me and that I connected with that. At the risk of being the one to make a sports metaphor in chapter nine, he's on offense. And then in chapter 10, he's on defense the whole time, right? That's it. That's the one. Yep, <laughs> I yep. made a sport call. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's dive into the themes then. Uh, what, what were the big ideas at stake for you? What really spoke to you?
3: So I'll start this. Um, uh, yeah, themes, lessons, uh, put, dump it all in a bucket. I, I don't know where to put this one. I'm always pitching it to you here. What do you think? This quote stood out to me. I wrote it down. Uh, Moving fast is the only thing keeping me safe. And that's not wrong. Mando, it's the way of the, the, the world that he's, he's in. He knows he's got to keep going. And in fact, the opening sequence reminds us all there is still a great danger. The child is still a target. Mando is becoming a target if he isn't already to some in the circle. And this episode really forced him to slow down, whether he wanted to or not, to analyze what he's doing, to analyze. How he can keep himself safe, what is needed, and that just stood out to me is something that I just that he said. It's not necessarily wrong, but his point of view. And 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 Quill's done that a lot with him in the past. And there's a lot of connection to some of the Quill stuff. Even Mando saying, "Was it Chapter Two of like, you know, I'm a Mandalorian. Weapons are our religion, or whatever his exact quote is." And yeah, Quill's kind of like neat cute let's go another way so i love mando as as, but the fact that he was literally forced to slow down several times during this episode after he makes this big statement maven fast is the only only thing keeping me safe i i like that i'll start there
2: yeah i think that's great and that ties into the first theme uh that i really wanted to to talk about which is just this sense of vulnerability and a sort of the the ever present possibility of death uh, it starts right away with kind of this whole cycle of violence. Uh, you know, not only does he immediately just get knocked off that speeder and he's uh, vulnerable. He's slowed down, as you were saying, uh, you know, he's got to really work to protect the child. There's such a sense of, of he's going to lose all of the things that he has. Um, but then we even kind of follow up on the crate dragon. and It's all kind of fun jokes, but the fact that it starts with them, you know, roasting this uh, dead animal, And then, you know, we'll talk about it more, but we get into a cycle of animals eating animals (laughs) and Mm -hmm. wanting to protect your young because otherwise somebody else is going to eat or kill them is so present. Uh, So it it gets to that kind of large sense of vulnerability and death in the cycle of life. And then everything that's going on with Mando himself, as you're saying, is all about vulnerability. Like, yes, he is in that armor and he can kick ass, but he keeps being reminded of, you can fall into extremely dangerous situations, starting with you know oh he can 't go to hyper speed that literal mm-hmm. that 's almost like a dream that 's almost like a nightmare where mm-hmm. somebody's chasing you and you can't run fast enough moving fast is the only thing that keeps me safe is a is a great pull uh, and then of course he gets you know crashes uh, you know gets chased uh crashes all that stuff uh, trying to hold everything together builds to that um That great place where uh, Frog Lady, as she's called in the closed captions, (laughs) Uh, Frog Lady is bathing nude, there are delicate eggs, the child is exposed, and he is saying, I can't protect you out here. It builds to that place of... I, I'm trying to keep track of everything and keep everybody protected. And there's all these symbols of vulnerability, those eggs floating in that pool. She's literally nude, taking a bath in the middle of danger, which is another like nightmare that people would have. Like I can't run fast and I can't find my pants. <laughs> Danger's coming for me, you know? And, and it, it's building to that literal hole in the hall, which has been established. And he is, racing for it and i felt that is like oh that's the moment for me where it's like that's great action that he's being chased uh by the the giant spider creature and all the spider babies and uh, some Mm. of the uh uh, you know spider big brothers it seems like too big brothers Mm. and big sisters and knowing as a point of action and as a point of emotional metaphor he doesn't have anywhere safe to run because there's literally a hole in his place of safety uh, mm-hmm. It's it just so it, it's a great way to just speak to um, that feeling of no matter how badass you are, you're always a little, vul- a little vulnerable, and that's the journey he's going on of, on this quest with protecting the child. He is very vulnerable and can't really retreat to positions of safety ever.
3: Yeah, I love to the touch upon the uh, child eating the eggs being part of kind of what's going on.
2: Uh, and how even the Mando is desperate the whole the whole episode to stop. that. Yeah, there's that great tension of like, we shouldn't be yeah. out here. I can't protect you. Get out of this bath. And also like, no, no, don't eat this lady's young in front of her. <laughs> it is
3: played. It's played for comedy very well. I, this is some of my favorite child stuff is in this episode. Oh, I did yeah. a lot of screenshotting that I can't wait to have as gifts. Um the, the We can talk about some of the humor later, but because here's the thing, too. I, I wrote this down and and you kind of uh, you kind of really put a great uh, kind of uh, period on this thought I had here because I love the eggs. Right from the beginning, when she shows up with the spawn and the eggs, you, you have a reaction in, in the child. And and I kept thinking, it was like in the beginning, like, oh, does this mean something? Does, does Yiddle of the Yothons have something to do like it was, was Yiddle? Of the Yothans hatched, are we going to learn some great big Wikipedia entry here about his past? And it's like, no, it's he's just hungry. And first of all, I'm that inspired by food too.
2: I look at food (laughs) that way too. Oh, like that's you with uh, some deviled eggs, huh?
3: (laughs) Yeah, you're not lying. Or shrimp at a party. I'm the guy who's like, can move from the shrimp table? No, he ate all thirty pieces. He wants food poisoning, and you can't stop him can't stop him uh i am i am he and he is me in this moment um but yeah and it's just how it does it is uh it's part of the chaos it's part of the chaos around mando
2: yeah yeah and, and it's part of just that that sense of vulnerability and danger it's all it's all packed into comedy and action but it just sets you on that like you know that it it's, it makes you feel tense uh in a mm-hmm. great way because i think that's what it is about it it, it is this great image of a kick-ass guy uh, riddled with weapons who can blow things up, burn things, but everything around him is delicate. <laughs> 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 and it's, yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, the the next theme is what what you're really talking on, uh, is mm-hmm. the whole theme of protecting your young, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It starts right away with the child in danger. It's great to see in this uh, first season, we immediately see these moments of growth from, Mando where he's like in the last chapter he's like no the pit droids can fix the ship Uh, I'm I'm feeling a little better about droids you know Uh, Mm -hmm. and seeing like there's no pause there's no nothing he this is his mission now is to protect the child and that I believed him that he would have sacrificed almost anything uh, else like if he had to he maybe would have given up you know Boba Fett's armor anything to save the child so you got that uh, just uh, really reasserting the uh, theme statement of this season, the theme statement of this quest of keep the child safe. Uh, Mm. And then all throughout just the child we got to see, uh, I had called it when we were talking uh, with star Wars explained, Alex and Molly, uh, I had called it, maybe we'll see his terrible twos. And uh, Alex uh, had the great quip of his frightening fifties. And I felt like we saw his frightening fifties because we saw Mm. him hungry and we saw him naughty. We saw him reaching into the cookie jar that he'd been told not to. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw him lonely and scared. We heard him squawk more. We saw mm-hmm. him uh, cuddle up to Mando. We we saw him kind of be uh, concerned uh, in, in trying to tell Mando, like, hey, frog lady uh, wandered away, but daddy won't listen to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, th- it was it was so that relationship that I think I've really been wanting of taking that step beyond um how amazing and how cute he is uh, and how awesome it is when he uses the force to really seeing him as a child just really popped through in that in this episode, which, which made it about physically protecting the child, but also like really demonstrating like Mando, you got to have all these different skill sets. You got to keep track of where he is. You got to nap with him. You got to give him attention. You got to explain to him what you're doing with the ship and see if he wants to help. So he feels included, you know, Uh, I thought that stuff was great. And then of course, you know, it's just, you know, the frog lady's mission is is to protect your young. The spider creature uh, gets understandably upset uh, to protect uh, their young. Uh, so I, I feel like it all, the whole episode was just so explicitly about this idea of protecting your young, but it, it expressed it in lots of different ways.
3: Yeah. I, I called her frog mom. I haven't looked up the, uh, any of the stuff You got the uh, closed captions. It usually solves a lot of those questions. There, a frog mom for me, but, uh, so actually, I'll start. I'll start with the child stuff you're saying. I felt it's one of it is. I, I wrote it down later on here when we, you know, we'll talk. Uh, you know, always talk about little um, moments and comedy and everything. But I, I'll just say it now the the child jetpack reaction in the beginning is, is, is my favorite child comedy moment. I've screenshotted that. Like I said, it's 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 all over. What did but you feel all- was what did you feel the child was saying in that moment? I almost. You know, I almost want to bring up my screenshot cuz it's so good. um I, I there's a little bit of there's a little bit of like really uh did you did you need to do all of that there's there's a connection cuz Mando's uh, reaction to that is kind of like yeah what what do you want from me like what yeah, do you what want from are me you going to do and and it, there's it's comedy and it's an understanding they really are connected they really know each other and you you had the you know even going back to the pram moment when we saw it in the trailer of, of the child is very very aware of what his uh, his found father does and can do, <laughs> and so uh, just the comedy. This is where I think uh, Peyton Reed did a great job with it. Just of of the quick cut of child of the child watching the jetpack go into the air, even though we're not seeing it, uh, and then having it crash down, and not smiling, not laughing, but just giving him a grimace. Like, is that is that what you did? Is that what you did? Okay, got it. I, I, I interpreted it as that, and and it spoke to a deeper connection that is there and growing and and, and, and part of this episode.
2: Yeah, I, I think I really interpreted it as, damn, daddy, you effed him up. Like, it, it feels like <laughs> oh, a, yeah. like, I, I like, there, to me, there's a little bit of ambiguity, which is why I was really curious to see how mm-hmm. you took it. Because I, I, it's right on that line for me of like, it's for sure like, damn, daddy, you, you did that. But is there joy in it? Or is there like, was that too far? Or is it just like, is that the way it is, daddy? <laughs>
3: column A, column B, but, but Mando's reaction of that kind of the, you know, yeah, the head shrug of like, uh-huh, yeah, I did that. It shows, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's a little bit of like ouch uh, and, and not disapproving, but just like, okay, this is what you keep doing. But yeah, I, I, think, you're, I think you're right. There's, and it, it, was a, it was a tremendously funny moment, too.
2: But, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. It, uh, yeah. Highlight. A highlight in, in many great comedy moments, I think. Is there uh, anything else about this sort of protecting your young theme that that spoke to you?
3: Well, I think it might transition to some of the stuff I, I was feeling uh, uh, of um, going back to Mando being out of his element. And, and I'll say it again and just not having all the knowledge. He has skills, but he has none of the skills, uh, you know, he, he can repair a ship, but it's out of his, you know, quills not around to help him. Uh, he doesn't like doing him. it, right? It's like me trying to set up tech stuff. It's like, fine, I know <laughs> I can do it. Um, and he loses drive. And this is going to what I was saying of, you know, uh, seeing him. Not defeated, but just he doesn't have it. This isn't um, like you said with the you know it's tense. He he might not come out of the Krat Dragon thing alive. He even said, "Watch the child, protect the child." I'm I'm going in literally. <laughs> this is a different and and, he, and, he, and and even go back to chapter two, where you know his ships being uh you know given the once over by the the Jawas and he's and he's frustrated and he's trying to climb up and there there's a lot of anger. Driving him there. That's kind of missing in this episode for me, and and which is why I'm drawn to the Mando and the Lessons. He's defeated. He's lost some drive. He has this mission, and it's his mission that he believes in. And we've already he he's not afraid to connect with other people and help other people. And it's it's to further his goals. And there is that in this episode. He's taking on this whole mission so we can find Mandalorians. But for her to stand up, the frog mom, um, and to be like, hey, just because you can't understand me doesn't mean I'm not intelligent, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and Mando has that. His work with the Tuscan Raiders, we, uh, you know, let's give him the credit there, credit too. But he, he can't. That's part of why he's out of his element. He just can't. They're doing the pointing, and uh, I don't speak frog. And
2: it's yeah, kind he kind of
3: tries with the huties, but nothing. Yeah. And for her to kind of be like, she's not going to be resigned to it. She cannot be resigned to being put in a corner. And for her to to rework the droid, uh, for Richard Aiwiadi to come back in and do the voice, it's great. But for her to just basically say, "This is, w- hey, wake up, this is what's got to go. I have to keep going. I have to save my family at all costs." And hey, Joseph, what did you say going into the season? This is the cost of the way. It's almost as if she's telling him that. We're, we might die. We might freeze to death, but I'm not going to sit here and wait till morning because that's exactly what he says. Whatever it is can wait till morning. And I think Mando picks up on that. I think he's he's without a doubt. He's shown every time he's going to do what it's it's taken. But I love that he hits kind of rock bottom here in the moment. Of, I don't know. I'm lost. We'll have to figure this out. We might die here. See you in the morning. And she's like, I, unacceptable, unacceptable. It's a big lesson that the Mando gets, I think.
2: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because I think he's really just reverting to survive. You know, we, you know, we'll be lucky to get off this frozen tomb and, and our deal is over. Uh, he's kind of uh, walking back on his honor. And then, yeah, she finds this clever way to, as you say, remind him like, hey, just because you don't understand me doesn't say, mean that I'm not saying valuable things. And mm-hmm. the valuable thing I'm saying is we kind of have the same mission. You mean survive the night. I mean, survive at all. And you are on a path. She doesn't fully know this, but right. You're on a path to take care of your young and bring him to whoever his people is are. And Mm -hmm. in order to do that, you're trying to find your people who are in desperate danger of dying out, too. Uh, So Mm -hmm. there's this like thematic thing that she's calling him out on, even though she doesn't know that. But she goes to that great place, that uh, great quote. I thought keeping one's word was a part of the Mandalorian code. I guess those are just stories for children, which is just if there's a hole in the armor, uh, her knife just went into it.
3: <laughs> well, and 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 the great use of the child in this moment. the The child looks up at him like, "Oh, like you just been t- burned. You just got told that." <laughs> I love that moment. The use of the child all through this episode is brilliant stuff. And the confidence they had to really put a lot on the child. We can talk a little bit later on. But this is one of those almost Empire Strike moments for me where, like, they know what they had. They already have a season behind it. Empire was a brave leap of, like, guess what? Second episode of the Star Wars movies is a puppet. But uh, they, they had a lot of confidence in what they could do with the child in this episode. And that moment really drove it home of, like, she's so right, Dad. She's so right because he can understand. I,
2: I, I, I interpret
3: the child as being able to understand some of that stuff.
2: Absolutely, like he, he seems like very emotionally aware. If nothing else, that he can sort of interpret those uh, tones and those colors and those feelings of uh, Frog Lady is asking for help, and and Daddy is trying to say no. <laughs> daddy should say yes. Yeah, I, one of the things that we talked about when we, I think we did the Star Wars ranked episode of stuff that we would love to see. Uh, hopes for uh, Mandalorian season two and one of the things that I had on my list was sort of like what's what are the tenets of this uh, of the Mudhorn clan this clan of two and that felt like a moment where this was about uh, the Mandalorian being a good example for the child there was that parenting theme but her challenging him the way he's been challenged so many times before of like are you living up to being a Mandalorian Uh, or are those just stories you tell children and really directly connecting the child to being like in this clan of two and saying, not only are you kind of letting him down as a parent, you're letting him down as a Mandalorian. Is that, you know, is that like we tell uh, our kids that, you know, you never ever steal. Uh, But if, eh, but if maybe a payroll screws up and they accidentally give you 12 extra hours of pay, you don't tell anybody because come on, it's the galaxy. Like there's a little bit of that edge of it to me. Uh, to bring back down to really real world terms of like, are you going to stand up for what you truly believe in? Are you going to you know walk the walk, or are you just going to talk the talk in front of your child? There and the child looks up and goes, "Well, which is it, Daddy?" Yeah,
5: which is
3: which is it? Look, Mandalorian has a he has a tendency to pull up stakes. A lot of season one uh, had Quill pushing him through a lot of that. You are a Mandalorian, a mythosaur. You wrote the mythosaur and stuff later on, and and he doesn't have Quill around. And I love. To me, I, I react to characters that have flaws that, that don't necessarily they learn from them and they have to continue to grow, but that's the key word, continue to grow. And that he's picked up all these lessons. He's he's done a lot of great things and he's growing, but sometimes it's really hard when you're in it and you 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 fall back on what you know or you fall back on what your 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 worst tendencies are. And in this moment, he falls back on that chapter two moment of falling off the blurg and and whatever, I can't do this. And Having to have Quill kind of say, but you're a Mandalorian. And in this moment to to have her be like, oh, I thought you were a Mandalorian. Guess I had you wrong. Sorry. I think it connects to that kind of stuff.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Chapter one, I think, is where he says, uh, if you, you surely you can ride this young foal. All right. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. But then chapter two, he's he's just a grump about the ship. Like, it's going to take yep. forever. It'll never work. It's like, well. If you put your back into it and help me, it won't take too long. And if it does, patience. Like uh, Quill is such a great mentor in that first season, and and Mando gets a lot of growth and a lot of validation along the way in in season one. But I totally agree with you. That's what makes this character really interesting. Is he is this guy who gets frustrated of, and in, it's a way that I find really relatable. Like sometimes I will just uh, you know growl and get angry, and my wife will be. Uh, say, like, oh, what's wrong? Just like, it's micro tasks <laughs> <laughs> And it'll be like, you know, uh, I, I went on about this with uh, why I like chapter two of season one so much. And it's the same thing for chapter 10 here of, hey, I'm trying to do this big goal. OK, in order to do this big goal, I got to do kind of this sub goal. But in order to do this sub goal, I now have to do these three other micro tasks. And now i tried the USB thing upside down seven times. It won't go in and just screw all of it. And like, you know that anger overcomes me and i step i lose focus on my big picture goal and who i want to be and i like that in mando so much in that it it's this really pointed comment from a fellow parent trying mm-hmm. to save her children going it, you know it, who do you want to be and him going all right all right yeah no 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 i know it's hard and that but that is what i want to be so damn it
3: it, 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 yeah, and it
2: helps confirm what you want to be uh, and, and it makes the decisions that you do after
3: that even more powerful. I don't know. Say you're a space wizard who saved your father and threw down your blade and became a Jedi and then later on ran into problems. and Some of your old tendencies returned and you had to kind of grow from that again and, and confirm yourself, uh, confirm your path even more. I like when Star Wars does that and, and Mando's doing it on, a, on maybe a smaller scale, not the galaxy at, at stake yet, as far as we know. But um, it makes it it makes it. I always toss around that. Fa- it's a favorite term of mine, tone poem, which is just such a wonderful what. Uh, what are you, you know, you you in uh, hate ashbury in the 60s or, or are you in Greenwich Village in the 60s playing some folk. But uh, this this uh, to me is one of those tone poem type of episodes. It, it is it is uh, singing some some songs in the key of the soul here. And and that's uh, what I was really being grab- pulled in by and gravitated towards and, and, and inspired by.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have an album where Frank Sinatra conducts tone poems. He doesn't even sing. He just conducts the tone poem music. <laughs> it's, it's a thing of beauty. And I think there's a lot of uh, tone poems. Uh, I have one other kind of big picture theme that I, I think uh, a lot of what we're talking about dovetails into. Um, and it's kind of a big Star Wars theme. Uh, the way I was describing it is basically your past haunts you, but your past can always also save you. Obviously, the whole sequel trilogy is very much about the past. But if you just start to break down what's literally happening in the episode, you know, the bounty hunters are still after him. He, he, you know, made some noise probably uh, coming through most Eisley. And so they were on to him, you know. Uh, so that's his past. Uh, The the bounty hunters are still after the child. And that's not going to stop the New Republic is going to basically, um, we'll talk about this a lot, but they're going to basically space pull him over and run his tabs and his past actions come back uh, to haunt him. And then Mm. we get this, uh, you know, Zero literally comes back uh, in in this interesting way. So that's like another like just sort of specter of the past literally coming alive. Uh, But then I feel like there's this big hinge where uh, Frog Lady throws the legend of honor at him that that's what he's striving for. Uh, he responds to that and then the beats where there is sort of salvation for Mandalorian come because he has made an honorable choice in the past he mm-hmm. she, she gives him that honor challenge step up be a Mandalorian you know show you're actually who you say you are in front of your child and he does and then when his child is on death's door when that spider is going to eat him in the cockpit he gets that help from the the frog lady and like Yeah, maybe narratively she would have done it anyway, but I feel like the episode is layered to be like, he stepped up, so she respected him and and stepped up alongside him and is, you know, his partner in this also protecting his young uh, the way he is protecting hers. And then the big picture thing of when the X-Wings and the the New Republic pilots find him, and you basically learn that they saved him, and they're kind of letting him off with a warning because he acted honorably in chapter six the prisoner when he didn't have to when he when he was kind of riding high of like I don't want to be in chapter six I don't want to be who I was when I was running with this crew before somebody who liked violence and considered other people just target practice for me a badass Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and I think in chapter six he's responding to that and he's trying to take the high road you know he he tries to save uh, lieutenant Davin which they talk about he he could have easily slaughtered that whole crew, but he put him in the cell, you know, in uh, yeah. those honorable actions, I think come back to save him in this moment. So on one hand, everything that he's done in the past is literally chasing him, but then he's also saved by honorable things he has done in the past.
3: So I, yeah, man, again, Google Doc must've been shared accidentally, but I'd, mo- I'd put this down in some, uh, some of the larger Star Wars themes. We can discuss some of it there, but I just simply put the note of good gets rewarded, bad punished. But I, I put that under the category of the story of Mando's deeds. And I'll I'll use this moment to, to get to this discussion. Uh, the word filler is tossed around so, so much and uh, most of the time incorrectly in this modern age of punditry. And I have in the past done that like, oh, this is a filler episode. Uh, but when you start engaging not just with the story presented, but the themes that connect all these things, look at what. Episode six was, and I, I think people use the term filler less for episode six, uh, you know. But I, I
2: I saw it as well. But but four, five, six had this like, when are we going to get back to the the big story? That was there was definitely a discussion. To,
3: yes, there definitely exactly. Uh, and and to go back to what you just said, everything everything that every choice he kind of made in episode six with no um, overt, con, you know, he didn't do anything in that episode to get something down the line. He did it because of the moment of what you're talking about, of what he didn't want to be anymore. Honor, like you said, so such, you know, an honor, we go back to this a lot, but honor is easy when nothing is at stake, right? Like, I'm honorable. Well, here, here's your chance to be honorable and does, and it comes back. And then I also like though, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, that doesn't, you still have to deal with what you've also done or what you've been. And, and that speaks to growth. And, and I, I liked this. I liked the play, the new Republic them. It was, I thought it was a great moment. I'm yeah like, Here, here's the deal we'll let you we'll let you stay thanks we'll let you go we're gonna go good luck with that but thank you you know i i it, it it's i it, i i really think you're right it, it was a big theme there
2: yeah uh, it's great i i really like you attaching it to uh larger star wars themes because i had the same thing uh written down that idea that uh, this big idea in star wars that actions of light or dark reverberate what you do affects other people um i think that's connected to yoda saying about the cave tree uh, what's in there only what you take with you like you know what you put out is sometimes what you're going to get back uh you're, i think that goes to your focus determines your reality i think when qui-gon is saying that to anakin he's not saying hey if you choose to be happy everything will be happy all the time so if you if you choose hope you will see the possibility if you choose honor you you will probably get treated with honor if you choose pessimism and think that everybody is just a piece of crap. Then that's probably what you will get back if that's the way you treat people. Uh, I you know Ray and Dio's kindness chain that we've talked about in Rise of Skywalker and how you can trace uh, you know Ray's actions of kindness uh, being you know observed by BB-8 and Dio and on and on, uh, which we've talked about a lot, so I don't need to uh, re-articulate. But I just think that's another example of this theme in Star Wars of one action really creates the next, and on a, in the dark side, there's you know kind of the cycles of violence that we talk about a lot that get uh, really demonstrated in the Clone Wars of how do you get off that cycle once you, if if the fist is what you're always putting out in the galaxy, a fist will meet you back. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that theme was really had this very specific uh, Dinjar and Mandalorian uh, uh, spin on that big idea in in this episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, look at that. We're synced uh, up. Yeah, any other big Star Wars uh themes that you thought were reflected by this episode?
3: Uh oh, talk about the bigger picture. Um I uh, you know, if you yeah, if, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh I put this down here of uh sticking with the fight even when you're in over your head. is a real simple simple lesson, but it's it's a Star Wars thing too. It's the story of the rebellion for me and it, and it's the story of many parts of Star Wars. Star Wars is a lot of other equally as important and larger uh, lessons and, and parts and family and all that kind of stuff. But I, that's, you go to Rogue One, you go to Jyn Erso addressing everybody. We'll take that chance and, and the next chance and the next chance. So the chances are spent and our favorite, uh, you know, raddest moments of flipping the, that, that flipper coming down. I think there's, it's part of that. And, and that's the thing that can meet you in the real world or meet you in your own walk and your own life real easily and real powerfully is sticking with the fight, even when there's literally spiders dropping all around you um, <laughs> and there's cracks in your armor and you just, I don't think Mando at any point gives up, up like, well, we're going to die. But for him to be like, I'm going to sleep, which by the way, he does a ton in this episode um, and uses the term privy. Like he truly is a Western now. Yeah. Uh, he. If um, You need to drop he, your drawers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the most I've seen the Mando just be like, I don't want to deal with it right now. And Especially right now, just this year, a lot of us are in that spot. And for Star Wars on this level with a, a frog creature and space spiders and uh, a, a, the cutest creature ever. Sorry, Porg. Sorry, Walklings. <laughs> they, they just all have so, also this moment of just yeah, stick through it. Stick through it. And fight now. Get up now. It might be tough. I, I don't know. That, that That's a that's a Star Wars theme that I I, I I love. And I thought it was real present in some of the moments here with him.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you, and I I think you are diving into the heart of those themes of, like, I know it's hard, but get up and keep fighting, and you will be rewarded, Uh, and you're diving into the absolute uh, glowing heart of that, but I also think that's, like, a part of the fun. This is such a Han Solo Mm -hmm. episode. This is, like, this whole episode, to me, is the moment in Return of the Jedi where uh, Han's trying to, you know, hotwire that shield door. He's like, I think I got it, I think I got it, and he just closes the external door, and he makes that face. Like, mm. ah, damn, like that's there, there's a fun in that there's a charm in that. That uh, is, again, why I love chapter two. Uh, and, and I think chapter 10 here is a real match for chapter two in yeah. that spirit of like, oh, man, another problem, uh, which is a great Star Wars theme. And to your point about kind of analyzing the nature of this episode is kind of a, a bigger picture a uh, conversation about the Mandalorian. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of takes. I, I, I saw one person responding, uh, our friend uh, Alden Diaz, uh, mm-hmm. tweeting, tweeting out pretty quick after the episode saying uh, that it sounded like maybe some other people were saying it was filler or they didn't enjoy the episode. So I haven't seen the takes myself, but I saw mm-hmm. our friend Alden have a take on the takes. Um, and I think for me, I, I always believe... You should like what you like, and if you if this is not for you and you're not enjoying it, that's your opinion, and it, it is that's yours, and and it is correct because it is subjective and it is your opinion. I also feel like the show at this point we're into season two, and so far season two is matching season one in the storytelling style, and I feel like uh, I feel like people should be really prepared for what this is. That it does have this big picture story to it. That is maybe even going to tie into some, you know, cool Star Wars canon and lore, you know, with, with the Darksaber and the history of the Mandalorians and like all this big picture stuff. It, it is going to do that in the big picture arc. But there's also this huge commitment to just we're going to ha- every episode is going to be a fun adventure for the sake of fun adventure and for the sake of how fun adventure is. Can show us who these characters are. Like I think that's what the show is. So I, I think people should just really be prepared for that. And, and I think it matches things that you know if we wa- if you watch the Disney Gallery show that the creators have just straight up said. So I think it, it, to me this is a, a thing where people's opinions should be their opinions, but I feel like expectations are 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 uh, should be set could be set. I don't I don't want to say should be. I feel like there's been lots of evidence to uh, uh set our expectations of what this show is going to be.
3: Yeah, it's it's a, cause it's a delicate, delicate conversation because first of all, that's why we have the t-shirts speculate responsibly, but we have it because we speculate. And we have fun. And you and I've watched uh, I I I loved episode, uh, chapter 2 because when I saw it the first time, I just started laughing cuz I was like, "What the poop am I watching?" And I loved it because I was like, this is nothing what I thought this show would be. And this this episode have that had that too, because I was like, you know, are we and you and I made jokes. I'm like, I don't know if Boba Fett shows up or whoever that was shows up again in season two. It, it might be season three. We we might get one. I was talking to Alex Dame on the phone today. We might get one 10-second clip of Is That Boba Fett for four seasons before he actually <laughs> does You know, the way and I, I'm joking, of course, because I think you're right. I think we'll get some bigger stuff, some bigger characters will show up. But you and I have uh, we watched the trailers and we thought oh ba- maybe Yoda in the in the in the snow he he seems to maybe he's recognizing something maybe there's a temple you and I have been intrigued by that idea I know you really wanted the idea but I'm laughing I'm not laughing at people and I want people especially if you have there's there's a big there's there's the scoop trade in Star Wars and there's the speculation trade and a lot of people love to kind of run their shows around that and you should and yeah. you should do um, but calls of, I want things to connect to the lore. It needs to be connected to the lore and, and checking lists of of, of of answers in canon is not the way I take it in and, and not the way I take it in anymore. And this episode just made me kind of laugh of, well, that ain't Ilum. He ain't, child ain't staring at something or someone he knows. Uh, they're not walking into a temple. They are just telling the story that they want to tell. And I love this episode for that, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: And like, I think, you know, when we speculated about it, we talked about why it would be cool if it was Ilum and how, who knows, maybe next episode they'll go to Ilum. I don't think so. Uh, I, I'd still love if they went into a Jedi temple. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting things, uh, no. but I think that um, that the show is really playing fair with telling you what it is like in particular in the trailers and in multiple episodes, that word quest is, he keeps saying, I've, "I'm on a quest. I've been quested." You know, if you dive into uh, myths and and in particular uh, old storytelling structure that is quest, and go, and you go along with Favreau saying, "I wanted to be inspired by what Lucas was inspired by." You know, the the Joseph Campbell hero's myth thing is not just the one cycle. It is pulling from lots of different storytelling ideas, and the quest is. Quest stories in, like, ancient myths, ancient stories, is the protagonist wants to get to a place, and in order to get to that place, they go through all of these fantastic adventures that challenge who they are and how they perceive the world. So I just feel like the show couldn't be uh, playing more fair. It's literally telling you the noun of what it is. It's He's on a quest, so he's going to have individual adventures that challenge himself in the perception of the world. And eventually he'll get to, you know, uh, this place that he's going, he'll get a video game <laughs> reward. Mm-hmm. Like he got the jetpack. And I don't even mean that as an insult. I mean, that is he, yep. he, he accomplishes something. He completes a part of the quest and then he goes on to the next leg of the quest.
3: Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's just, it is what it is. And we, we, uh, we've made these type of jokes before and they're jokes and they're funny, but I really stand by them as almost near fact of, Hey, John, should we go to Ilum? What's an Ilum? He, he, he doesn't care. He's not there for this. Uh, and for him to write this episode is just him. Just it's more than just, uh, it, you know, it's always a little bit of him dumping the figures on the, on the floor and playing with them. But absolutely it, it is him writing a, the next stanza of this poem. And, and that's why I think more than anything, I really love this episode, but anyways, I, I know sometimes I, I think I can uh, drone on about it and I don't mean it to be Finger wagging. I just still see a lot of the conversations out there about, uh, you know, look, I, when the, when that, when the, when the uh, new Republic pilots show back up, there's, they play it as who is that, right? There's, there's a mystery there. So I, I, had that second of, Oh, is this Ahsoka? Oh, is this, is this Sabine Wren? Does Luke Skywalker and Han Solo show up? At this <laughs> I had that moment. And then when it was revealed, it was just the two pilots, uh, Filoni and uh, Paul sun Hyung Lee, uh, who's just a huge star Wars fan. Uh, and, and if you guys have been watching and following him on Twitter, shout out to some of our discord folks who immediately kind of dropped the link of at bitter Asian dude. He's just been just, <laughs> he's, he's one of those, here's my 17 costumes. I've built myself as a star Wars fan. Nice. For him to be canon and have a fun, a fun little moment and, and an important moment based on the theme we're talking about. I really love that. Um, but yeah, when it was revealed to be them, I just, I had another laugh. I was like, up, oh, yep. Nope. Of course, I fell for it again. And I'm saying this to myself, Joseph. I I keep falling for it. And in the moments like, oh, it's going to be Ahsoka. Nope. It's the pilots pilots we met. And I want something cool like that to happen. I want Bo-Katan to show up. And I want to know things about the Darksaber. We're going to get it when it's right for the story.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it. We're going to get it uh, when it's right for the story. Uh, And yeah, just for myself, for for my final statement, because I always want to be clear, I think everybody has a right to like what they like. I just think that um, I, I like the what the show is doing and I, I want to receive the show. When the show says, uh, this is the kind of toppings we're putting on this Star Wars pizza, I want to listen and go, okay, I, I I got a general sense of what I'm going to eat and sometimes it's going to be <laughs> a great canon topping of like Boba Fett and I scream yes uh, at my television at 1 a.m. and wake my wife uh, from the other room because I yelled so loud. And sometimes it's, this was a Saturday morning adventure cereal, this was a quest from an ancient myth that was full of action and fun and the character learn more about themselves and, and that makes me scream yes too and I feel like the yeah. show does both
3: I also think we should not record these shows before you've had pizza for lunch
2: because
5: uh, <laughs> you <to>
2: lunch. <laughs> I'm very hungry it's been a long day already um, for me last, last big Star Wars theme because we, we, we went off on our, our big uh, tangent there which I think is great uh, this is a very short one. I just kind of wanted to shout it out because uh, this is such a parents episode. I love that parents and mentors are like a huge theme in Star Wars. But in mm-hmm. so much of our Star Wars storytelling, with maybe some books and some comics aside, especially the screen uh, storytelling, the, the parents and mentors, it's always about dead parents, <laughs> evil parents, yeah. strange parents. And it's fun to see this so on the nose of big Star Wars themes of parents and mentors in generations. But this like this episode, this chapter alone, is like some of the most active parenting across the board. Almost yeah. everybody is parenting. Actively.
3: It's nice. Yeah, it's nice to see some parents really uh, sticking, uh, sticking around and, and, and doing great things, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we always touch, uh, touch base on the chapter titles as well because I mm-hmm. love that they are both explicit and easy to read but also open to interpretation. This one was The Passenger. Uh, obviously, you can just literally take that as the frog lady. He is uh, mm. he is made to have a passenger, the frog lady. Did you find extra depth in it?
3: I i, 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 uh, I dug deep. I try to find some uh, tone poem like ideas. No, <laughs> I did. you know, there's some there. I think you're right. I mean, on the surface, it is what it is. Uh, frog mom is the passenger, but it's what you're learning from the passenger. But it's also to me, the child. Uh, and also, again, uh, you know, who's leading whom is uh, is uh, is a question we've asked before. Maybe the Mando is the passenger in this episode. And uh, the adventure kind of was taking him along for the ride. Also think if we want to get into deep into the Dagobah cave of uh, self-reflection, what are we all carrying with us?
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I felt that, too, that it's uh, yeah, it's literal, but it's also it's uh, the passenger is you know children uh is you know in kind of uh carrying on our legacy we all have that uh the past is a passenger we all travel with and i think that comes back to, to say uh hello there to mando in lots of ways which yeah. is really fun uh last thing for this uh first part of the podcast before we take a quick break was there anything that you disliked or questioned that you wanted to bring up
3: yeah man why can't we have uh space ferrets or space otters why space spiders
2: <laughs> why are we gotta have space spiders man <laughs> Instead of uh, why did it have to be snakes? Is like why did it have to be spiders again? Oh, there's so many spiders. And I know the design
3: is—it's based off of Macquarie design. It's—it's it's probably the same design that inspired the stuff in uh, Rebels there on Chopper Base. But I think the it is Krikna,
2: I believe, in, in
3: Rebels. Yeah. Yes, and I do believe I was looking up a little bit. I think it's different species. It's very similar. Regardless,
2: why, why, Joseph, why? <laughs> Some nice space ferrets coming around to steal your stuff. That's what I want. Uh, yeah, you know, you and I have been talking for some reason about how we both like otters lately. What if they been? Evil otters. Wouldn't that have been different? And then, you know, cute little evil otters. That's what cute, I evil otters. That's our demand and our prediction for the next chapter. Cute, evil otters. Uh, you know, I do want to be critical when there are things I don't like. But from a totally, you know, subjective opinion place and from a sort of more structural analysis place, I just don't have anything. I looked into the darkest of my dark sides. I didn't personally have anything I disliked. I, as I was watching the episode, there were things that I definitely, definitely noted of like, I bet some fans won't like that. But uh, I was not one of them this time. So who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Maybe maybe next chapter there'll be some puns and I'll be annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly
3: here. I, I Quickly, as we wrap up this first half of the show because there's been stuff I have not liked and been critical of in the past, and I'll say in that episode, the Peli stuff, like the Peli stuff, uh, the best Peli uh, yet for me, for me. And then I've sometimes struggled, even though I am amazed, I just love the volume and what it can do, and I think it's it's so impressive. I've sometimes not liked how it looks in some sequences. And space fights, the dog fights, I think was that episode four or five, where, where uh, you know, uh, Mando's in space being shot. Yeah, uh, chapter with- five. 35, right? Uh, I didn't like the look of that one. I just didn't like it. This one, this is the best looking episode for me where I just was like, I'm I I'm in it and I never once thought, oh, they did shoot that on the volume. And and there's been times where I, even last week going into Mos Pogo, I'm like, eh, it very much looks like it was shot in the volume, especially now that we've seen how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, coming out of that, this episode, none of that. So I didn't dislike that, and I'll use now to tell (laughs) you.
2: Well, how's that for a a positive episode? We can't find things we dislike, but instead are commenting on things that we thought were better (laughs) this episode. So uh, please know that we've disliked things in the past, and we will again in the future. But for now, we're both really enjoying this episode, and we're going to come back in just a moment to talk about some of the details we enjoyed. We will be back in just a moment. And we are back to talk about a bunch of the details we enjoyed in Season 2, Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian. Uh, Ken, let's talk uh, moments of Star Wars canon lore, connection to other stories. Uh, the place I wanted to jump in, because I think the, the biggest, like, ooh, how does that all fit into canon, is the, the New Republic presence. Uh, we all saw some of these shots in the trailer, and we had a, a lot of fun speculating Is is he in trouble? Are they working together? Uh, you know, I, I had my brief moment of, could that be Bespin? There are clouds. Uh, and I want to see Bespin again. Uh, I was fine with it not being Bespin or Ilum. What was your reaction to the New Republic scenes, the presence, the vibe, what we learned about the state of the galaxy uh, with the New Republic in it, all that stuff?
3: I liked it because it was real practical. They're out patrolling, right? And and Trapper Wolf, uh, this is what he does. He just patrols and looks for things to shoot because they're they're not good right now uh uh and then uh the other captain casper i didn't write it down did you write
2: it down i did let me pull it up uh it is yeah captain carson tiva
3: captain carson tiva great there you go i just like you know what i mean i'm just and it does connect to you know we're five years out uh the new republic is struggling and i like uh, again talking the big theme that they that we talked about earlier but just like uh, look these are these are trying times And and we're not going to letter of of the law you here because we understand the big picture. However, we got a job to do. And this is what's going on. And we're trying to patrol the outer rim. And we're trying. Let's justice for the new republic. We're trying. We understand it's not perfect right now. Give us give us give us the effort. Give us a moment to uh, show show the effort uh, that we're putting forth.
2: Yeah, no, I really love what you're saying, because I keep going back to that Grief Karga moment early on. And and honestly, what Favreau himself has said of like, you know, the empire has gone. There's kind of chaos. The New Republic can't handle everything. And that's a great log line for the show. But I like that the show itself is is straining against that a little bit of, you know, Grief Karga is like, oh, you want to take it up, go into the core and take it up with the New Republic. And, you know, Amanda's like, Huh, they're a joke. But then, you know, we see them having, you know, some power and some influence and there's some fear of them. Uh, mm-hmm. in chapter six. And then here again, what do you know? They're out where they're allegedly not doing anything. They're trying to sweep the outer rim, you know? And like, mm-hmm. I get that they're not like, hey, here here we are in Tatooine with a, bun- with a massive relief package, you know? Um, I get that. But yeah. they are trying. They're out there trying. Uh, so I like that from my Justice for the New Republic perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing I really loved uh, and want to run by you and get your take is I thought it was so great that this was the new Republic, not his soldiers, but cops. This mm-hmm. was entirely a, a traffic stop. You know, they they wanted to, him to uh, run a beacon from his transponder. So this is basically a traffic stop just in case he's Imperial because they're looking for Imperial holds And then, you know, they're literally talking about running his tabs. Uh, and what it ends up being in that great scene that I'd love to discuss a little bit more when they do, Uh, find him and save him, and then there's that back and forth about how much they're gonna help him (laughs) uh versus just let him off i love that it comes down to just like this kind of uh a a thing that i've experienced when i've been pulled over is they run my license and they see that i'm not in any trouble and it's the all right
1: you're
2: Mm -hmm. a good guy so I'll let you off with a warning. <laughs> it just totally had that, and I know, uh, especially we're having a cultural conversation now, like that I, I I'm lucky to have received that treatment uh, from police officers in in the real world. Uh, and I know some sometimes people don't have it uh, that easy, and I know it's sometimes difficult uh, for police officers as well. So don't mean to tread on anything too sensitive in the real world, but in terms of especially how police interactions are portrayed in uh, storytelling this was the new Republic is cops. We're going to, we're going to run your tabs in case you're Imperial, but we see you are a good guy, so We're going to let you off with a warning.
3: Yeah. Which uh, comes out of just kind of necessity of what's going on in the galaxy, but also kind of puts that, that, that you ain't the rebellion anymore. You know, you, yeah. you are, you, you won, you won the iron throne. Now you got to keep it. Uh, and there, and I, I did like that play, uh, especially, you know, you, 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 enjoyed an uh, episode, uh, six, chapter six in season one there of, uh, you know the new republic is a joke but they're still serious and, and mando he, he he's gonna try to run it's a pursuit he needs to get away but he also isn't messing around too much he's trying to be cautious those those x-wings are those are real x-wings and I, I liked all that
2: oh yeah yeah and he he yeah he had to get away you know I mean I don't think he wants to blast them out of the sky but like that yeah. real like no um'm I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble and he's been through this before with I love all of his lines as his kind of trying to BS's way out of it is really great. I think it also really ties uh, well to the picture that Cara Dune uh, paints when we first meet her and she wants to be a soldier. And you can see like, I don't, she lists the things that they were doing, like, you know, protecting dignitaries and things like that, uh, that she was doing as a shock trooper. Uh, But this really lines up with the way Cara Dune was describing it of like, it's not a military anymore. It's just kind of a peacekeeping Force right. uh and I thought that was really great that it it tied up to that world building of what the new republic looks like uh in this galaxy yeah great stuff great stuff excellent excellent uh other canon thing that I wanted to throw out there is uh the may the force be with you and also with you that is a joke that I think many of us have made or just accidentally said <laughs> mm-hmm. in real life how did you feel about that
3: uh i lo- i just love the the mando now now look I have some thoughts of like okay see he's not He's aware of the Force, not so much Jedi. Did he just learn this? Is it something that he always knew? I don't know. So I could I could go down that path, but I, I, it was a great moment. Uh, a little fun comedy beat. Uh, and uh, yes, this is uh, Enjoy Your Movie, You Too. Uh, damn it, it's the Brian Regan joke from years ago. It's so a little <laughs> bit of that, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, I really liked it because, yeah, the, the, we've got the... Uh, he doesn't seem to know a lot about Jedi. Even the armor expresses it to him in this ancient mythic way of, you know, songs of Eon past tell of uh, not. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they were pretty common about 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I really love that from that. Uh, it, it's one of those things that makes the galaxy feel kind of real to me if he's like, yeah, I've heard of the force and maybe I've heard vague myths of these people. But, yeah, I you know, I don't really know a lot about either mm-hmm. of them or believe in it. I just know when you're trying to end a conversation with these new Republic types, that's mm-hmm. a nice thing to say to them. You know,
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like, uh, it almost feels like cultural to me. Like, you know, if you're, uh, if you're in a, uh, pub in Britain, you know, you'll say cheers, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just as a, not a, a toast of glass, but as a thank you, you know, cause that's, that's how you end a conversation, you know? Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, so it had that kind of vibe to me. I thought that was funny. Uh, yep, may uh, the force be with you. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, And then, did you have anything else? Uh, otherwise, I got my list of little
3: things. They're, they're probably, I have a couple, uh, you know, I love the use, not only use of a Treadwell droid again, but the actual, uh, calling them Treadwell, the can- I, I, any trip to Chalman's Cantina, I'm excited uh, about, I, I do like it. I have no problem going back to Tatooine. I go back once a season, I don't care. Um, and the cooking the meat with a with a rocket uh, made me feel like I was uh, on Batu Galaxy's
2: Edge. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is just standard operating procedure in the galaxy. We know that now. Yeah. yeah so I really love that. Uh, anything else on, on your list? No, I want to see. I'm sure yeah, your list is uh, robust and full. Uh, I'm really enjoying that they are reusing uh, designs and or costumes uh, from the whole uh, Disney Lucasfilm era. Because that's mm-hmm. partially like, oh, wow, Mandalorian, it's the, the big new Star Wars. But there's this great attachment to Star Wars past of like, uh, what do we got? Because we can only afford to design so many and construct so many new things. Um, that little bounty hunter uh, looked really familiar from, to me, and I'm 99% sure he is uh, also the same little guy who yells at Ray in The Force Awaken well, was Force Awakens when she's cleaning her parts. Uh, the first time that we see her in Nima Outpost. Um yep. Then it's, you know, it's great to see uh, a Nikto again. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's great to see the Jawas having their uh, Tatooine colored eyes and <laughs> that mm-hmm. uh, canon about different colored eyes of Jawas in different places. Uh, I like that there uh, looked to be uh, a more off type species character in the cantina. Nice. Um, I really liked uh, Dr. Mandible as uh, the closed <laughs> captions and uh, Peli called him. Mm-hmm. uh and I, I looked it up to see if he was uh, supposed to be related to the insect creatures from Force Awakens uh, and, and uh, maybe they're from the same planet, but the, the Dengu sisters uh, are uh, Colosetto, and they do look a little bit different, but I, I enjoyed them being in that like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think this was one of those things where I was like, I bet there are some people who don't like that, but I like that tradition of sometimes you get absolutely breathtakingly original designs uh, and then also just a large insects that talk. <laughs>
3: Yeah. And is there some Cantina connection there too? I can't remember, but yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm with you too. Cause I, I'm sometimes again, I, you know, sometimes I'm like Rift Hampson, I'm out and other times I'm like Dr. Mandible I'm
2: in deal me. in.
3: <laughs> so it's, it's weird. That's my fault. Uh, you know, I, I, I changed a little bit and I, it worked for me in this episode.
2: Yeah. I was really curious if it was going to be uh, too much for you or, or hit the, hit the good pocket. Um, uh the Sabak is always fun it's great to see those cards uh and kind of really physically know that Sabak and see it uh played more in idiots array is uh from that Lando's Cal- Lando episode of Rebels right Yep absolutely uh yeah and then it was fun to see some of the just the dynamics of traveling sublight uh, and feeling like that is a real pain uh in in a, a danger right now I thought was a cool bit of canon and uh, there's been a lot of canon playing with, you know, the different things you can and can't do in hyperspace and how it works and the politics of it and the, the uh, importance of it in war. And it was fun to see the sublight side of it of like, oh man, sublight. Um, uh, uh, the outpost that they wanted him to go to, Adelphi, appears to be new. Uh, the planet that he's headed to, the estuary moon uh, of Trask, appears to be new. Um, I liked hearing the name of the prison ship of the New Republic Correctional Transport, Bothan 5. Who doesn't Mm -hmm. love a Bothan reference, right?
3: (laughs) Uh,
2: And then it it took me until the second watch because I was so invested in the chase. But it's nice to see an X-Wing pilot actually uh, activate their targeting computer. (laughs) Right. Yes. 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 And then, of course, just a shout out to uh, their own lore uh, that there was a lot of just of the the backstory. But I like hearing Lieutenant Davin's name again, uh, Matt Lanter, Mm -hmm. right?
3: Yeah. A lot. Do you think uh, do you think Favreau is like, hey, Dave, 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 I, I named the ship the
2: Bothan Five. I think people will get that. <laughs> Dave's like, Yeah. Pretty sure people get I, that. I, I, I think so. They're they're quite, quite uh, focused on the Bothans. They can't let the Bothans go. Yeah. So uh, lots of uh, fun little details, fun little uh, connections. Uh, you ready to move on to action? Let's move forward to action. Moving forward to action. What were your favorite action moments, Ken? Well,
3: uh, you know, one of my favorite action moments was kind of not action. I love a lot of the choices Peyton Reed made in this with the pacing and 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 I believe uh, I I enjoy the comedy of quiet and the the comedy of awkward beats uh, and the locking of the S foils was my I actually it was my favorite action moment because <laughs> it was so quiet, <laughs> deliberate and just and then the next one it's like oh that's not good Yeah, that's not good and I just like the use of it and it, it explodes into the chase and I love the free fall sequence and I love that and I love the way it looked again it really worked for me uh, this episode but that one that was my favorite uh, there's a lot of other things uh, the
2: fight and all the stuff and the open stuff but
3: I, I liked the uh, locking of the S foils
2: yeah it's so great uh, because yeah it means action is uh, unavoidable now and we all know that and it's done so well um. Yeah, I, I really love the cutting the razor crest engines and falling. I think a, a lot of what worked for me in the action is it did. It felt very connected to the emotions. It, it made me feel worried for the characters. Um, and I always love action where you can tell uh your what cool thing your character is doing or your hero is doing. So I I liked seeing his like I'll get in the clouds, I'll drop out a range, you know, all that stuff. And, and it was really emotionally affecting, of <laughs> emotionally mm. effective and comedic when frog lady is just falling backwards screaming yeah uh, yeah and again with frog lady i, I highly recommend uh, people watch with the captions on because it's just great to see the caption uh, frog lady speaks frog <laughs> which pops up often um a couple other beats uh for me I, I thought that was a great move in the fight in the beginning where he uh uses the Mandalorian cord wrist cord to yank the blaster from uh, one bounty hunter and hit two others in the head. Uh, it was just a great uh, three birds one stone move. <laughs> yep. Uh and, and and I like seeing that again like it's not just that he has all the armors and the tricks, it's that he really knows how to use them. So that was a great fun moment for me. Uh I really loved the uh the flame on his flamethrower turning from orange to blue. That was a real like I didn't know it could do that. I didn't know the flamethrower could go to 11, you know?
3: Oh, yeah. This one goes to 11,
2: yeah. They (laughs) could turn up the heat on that. Um, Two more action beats for me. Uh, uh, One that I just really loved because it was so just a bizarre and interesting image, and I'm here for Weird Star Wars, is in the chase away from the spiders, uh, when Frog Lady uh, pulls up her her dress and goes full frog, uh, pulls it up from her feet so she can just actually leap and bound like a frog is like weird and funny and also made you feel it like she's like well normally i don't do this except for when i'm absolutely terrified out of my mind and i have to
3: i got to go uh yeah and shout out to to misty rosas who's uh who's uh, quill right and then yeah. uh and is a uh, frog mom here great stuff yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. And again, and you're not wrong. You know, it's it's a it's a flip of the coin. Will Ken enjoy Frog Lady, or will he not? I don't know, but depending, on, but depending on my mood, it's just they set everything all all up so well. And I think it was that when they took the time to have the quiet moments of the the lack of communication between them, it just kind of made it more real to me. Uh, this was definitely to me another live action comic book uh, type of episode, and 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 I see the show through that perspective uh, and lens now. Uh, So it it did work for me when she when she uh, went into the uh, full frog, as you said, uh, I enjoyed that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I think that this uh, show wants to be the uh, fever dreams of uh, of young Star Wars fans. And that definitely gets into the comic book and in the pulpy and all the other words that I can't stop saying ever. (laughs) Um, My last uh, favorite action moment is, again, one that marries comedy with action in a really emotionally effective way. Uh, I love it when they they make it to the Razor Crest. They uh, get all the little spiders out of the cockpit for the most part. They start to take off. That music begins, a triumphant Amando theme, and then wham, uh, big spider's not dead. They had so many out of the frying pan, into the fire moments that I didn't expect it, and I was so delighted to be surprised by a beat like that that was both like big action, funny, and frightening all at the same time.
3: Well, they sell Mom mom Spider's death earlier pretty well. They do a good job of of going, oh, he, he got past that. So, yeah, it worked for me, too.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, we've already talked about some comedy moments, but do you have other favorite moments of a comedy and whimsy or grizzled weirdos being grizzled I mean, and weird?
3: Yeah, I mentioned the Pelly stuff. And again, I, I won it on record 12 times. I am a legitimate, from the 90s, Amy Sedaris fan. And some of the Pelly stuff has not worked. Now that's because of her. I think some of the... Some of the direct the actors um just all are playing different tones at times, which isn't just isn't horrible it just sometimes takes me Ken suck out of it a little bit this one to me it, maybe it's and I don't even say she had less to do she she and she has an important role in episode five she teaches mando valuable lessons about parenting and kind of letting it just plainly this is what you're doing i don't have a, i don't have a problem with this character just sometimes the tone doesn't work for me this one worked uh the the beats the 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 tones were in more sync. Uh, um, she's also stuck with del- delivering a lot of you know expository kind of uh, dialogue there, which can be uh, uh, clunky just by nature. Uh, Rick O'Lea, we're looking at you. So <laughs> it worked for me, and because of that, there I had some legitimate laughs. You know, of like oh the the way she played it, and 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 I rewatched the the Suboxied of just like uh, yeah, you hold this, uh, you know, covers covers uh, covers call covers call. Is the pot to your liking? Great, good, I won. I thought all that kind of worked uh, for me. I liked the little line about, uh, you know, I like my medium rare. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a Rodian. I was like, oh, there you <laughs> go. There's a canon entry for you on Wikipedia. Rodian's like, well done steak. <laughs> so that worked for me. The Yoda, the, the the baby Yoda stuff, the child stuff, some of the best stuff because comedy of character, but comedy based uh, completely on the relationship that's formed and forming with the Mando that continues to grow. Uh, going back to the moment at Top we're. We were mentioning of the jetpack moment and, you know, the egg stuff works for me too. But just, I think a lot of it, 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 it's, it's not just, oh, they, what a cute little character doing cute things. This one, this one had a lot of character to the action and,
2: uh, you
3: know, it was great Worked for me.
2: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. And uh I, I've got a little subsection of child moments that I love, so I'll come back to that. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I thought that Peyton Reed's uh, obviously John Favreau has a background in, you know, comedy as well as drama and action and, and the general oeuvre of Disney. Um I think that shows through in the scripts. Uh but I think Peyton Reed is a director who really uh can handle that. Um I, I, I think maybe for Pelly. A part of what might have popped even more this episode, because I liked her last episode, I liked her even more this episode, is she, all the comedy was coming from a very real place. She had a perspective. We got to see that she wasn't just a uh, mechanic uh, who had some, you know, jokes about droids and some life lessons. You saw that, you know, uh, she belongs with the scum and villainy. That She's a little mm-hmm. bit of a hustler. Uh, mm-hmm. And I liked that relationship that, so yeah, that that fleshes out her character. That like, well, she looks like this hardworking person who tells you like it is, but then also on the side, like, so it 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 uh, enriches her character. She knows Mando well enough now to to tease him, and I, I really liked your line of like, oh, you finally found a Mandalorian and you killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was great. It was a great line. So yeah, I thought she was uh she was great uh, throughout. Um, the uh the great big comedy moment right at the top there of uh Mando. Uh, taking the time to let uh, the little bounty hunter run and then setting off the jet pack was all great. But there was those little comedy details that made that work for me, like the way that uh, the noise that the bounty hunter made. It was like, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not too big, but definitely enough to tip into the comic. And then of the that turn back of the child that we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Favorite moments of whimsy. I also just wrote down the existence of Dr. Mandible. Again, I really like that. That's like yeah. The, the Star Wars tradition of you could have the coolest, most elaborate uh, design, most original design ever. And then also a giant instinct with, uh, or uh, insect with opinions. Love it. Um, the frog lady uh, grabbing her clothes with her tongue. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You get dressed very fast. Yeah, yeah. He got dressed very fast with the adjustments there. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Mando, uh, obviously, Pedro Pascal is charming as hell and can handle a tough guy and can handle introspection but can also handle comedy and i liked that this episode he had one or two really good comedy lines and i really liked when they were telling him to turn to ping them mm-hmm. and he's like uh, and he doesn't do anything and then has the yeah i uh doesn't seem to be working <laughs> yeah. really yeah. well delivered and and really heightened that that scene for me yeah uh yeah and then the child moments you you said it really well uh that there were so many moments that were like funny and they're going to be great gifts, but they were developing the child. The ones that just really got me. Uh, I love when he is pressing his little face up against the egg container. Um, I and it's a great job. I think from the direction, because there's that sweet music that makes you think exactly what you're talking about. Maybe it's a connection. Maybe mm-hmm. he senses young life. Maybe, you know, there's something deeper in the force, Like, no <laughs> he no. wants to eat them and, and that's that contrast is set up by that slow approach in the music and the pressing the face against the glass um yeah. and then in contrast with that i love this shot where the child is upset with his crappy little space lunchables packet <laughs> yeah <laughs> clearly some sort of like space rations and he's looking up at the eggs like daddy's making me eat this crap when i could have the, one of those eggs I've been there. I've been there. You know, you used to get in Wood
3: Ranch as a, as craft services on a movie trivia taping. And suddenly it's cheap pizza. And you're like, I mean, I don't mind the pizza. But I was looking in that Wood Ranch window with the awe and wonder that the child was at those eggs.
2: <laughs> uh, and then the, the uh, nap time, the bunking down together. Uh, yeah. It's not really comedy, but when he cuddles up on, on Mando's hip there, oh, amazing yeah. stuff. Amazing. Uh, and then my final one uh, is that I love his delicate little walk up to the spider eggs, and I could just, uh, from my own sense memory, imagine the cold snow on his little feet. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it looked like he was walking on snow in order to get to those spider eggs, and I loved it.
3: Yeah, and and that and there, the, the the shots of him running and moving, perhaps more than any other episode. A lot of times we just see him; he's out of the bed, he's out of the pram, you know, and that's funny, and and, and they use it very effectively. But to actually see him booking when he's got to get out of there or slowly sneaking up. <laughs> to me show you know really confident in what they got and that's a, that's a, a, a you know kudos to a lot of behind the scenes folks that make that work.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of running, a lot of waddling, a lot of different kind of looks, all great stuff. Uh we like to take a look at directorial moments. We talk a lot about who's going to direct so uh, ahead of time when it's just kind of breaking news. So it's fun to see within this I think very cohesive show of the Mandalorian what directorial moments pop out and what make us feel like, Ooh, we could tell somebody different directed this. So for this chapter, were there directorial moments that popped out for you? I really do love the
3: opening sequence, which also might have a lot to do with the stunt coordination, of course. And there's some great stunt coordination on this, on this show, uh, um, with Latif Crowder doing a lot of those fighting scenes and, and, and everything, but it was fun, funny action, um, not unlike anything we've seen on this show before, but it fit well into the Star Wars by also being just very unique. Uh, and, uh, and and it did, uh, did, told the point, told we, we talked about the big moral lesson, or the big, big not morals, but the big theme of it. So you can, we we did analyze it on that. But you can also just look at this. It's a fun little sequence, a great cold open, and I just love how they put that together, and how they used it. Um, storytelling moment, this is maybe even more in the favor of the writing, but I thought Peyton Reed really just got the tone right of, the fade-ins and outs. There's a couple moments where you know we're not cutting away to another plot point, uh, another character on another planet. We're sticking with this story. Time passes. He goes to sleep. Boom. He's woken out of his sleep. You're woken out of his sleep with him. Um, and, and a lot of those. I, I just and that made me really love this episode. Of they're they're really committing for right now. And I'm sure it's going to get more characters and more plots and and more stuff coming. Uh, And it will all sync up just like it did last uh, season, chapter seven, chapter eight. But like for right now, like they are taking their time to tell their story. And and Peyton Reed uh, and his team really struck a good chord with that in those moments for me.
2: Yeah, no, I I really agree with you. I think that's a great observation. Those transitions, Uh, you know, in Star Wars, transitions have a different logic. And that really you could really feel the time passing, which I think uh, contributed to that sense of. Uh, Mando's frustration and anxiety of, of not being able to move forward fast enough not being able to run to stay out of trouble uh, I think the thing that really grabbed me is yeah absolutely written uh, well and uh, all of the uh, stunt performers stunt coordination is always great but I really got that sense of a director who uh, enjoys the language of comedy and how the language of comedy works specifically on film. Like that, that whole opening cold open, as you said, it's got great tension. It's almost funny that like they're they're going to use the old rope trick on him. Mando's not going to. Oh, he did. Um, but in particular, the the build up to having that great tension of yeah, we we know that Mando can control the rocket, uh, the jetpack from afar with his wrist, so we kind of know what's going to happen. But then he uses this utterly classic bit of just comedy framing where. The camera isn't moving. Nothing else is moving. So this one thing moves quickly out of frame and it it is just a rhythm of comedy thing that goes Mm -hmm. back to like vaudeville when there'd be a bit where somebody just crosses a flat against the back of the theater uh, with a rubber tree plant because there's this contrast between flowing organic movement and rigid movement. That is like one of the deep things that make us laugh and and has Mm -hmm. for a long time to see that sort of translate from proscenium vaudeville theaters that flat you know inhuman movement making things funny and seeing that again when it's applied to like a a bounty hunter rocketing up and he's gone and then he comes back (laughs) and i I feel like there's a little bit of that in why the s foil uh is is so powerful too because you've got this sort of uh this uh, uh straight line this setup line of they're just bobbing along no problem but then one big significant thing rigidly moves <laughs> and now you know that uh, that the you know the uh, the violence is coming no matter what, and it's just this kind of great comedy visual language of comedy to tell that story.
3: Yeah, it's great. I said earlier, like the comedy of quiet leading to the explosion of action. It it is a little bit of the wait for it, wait for it, and and it just works when done right. It works. And Peyton Reed, you know, I I I did look up a little bit. I, I forget. I actually, I, I we've talked about this before. I forget. I love two thousands Bring It On. It's I actually own it on digital video disc. I forget oh he was yeah, in, yeah. He directed that. He also did a lot of Mister Show and Upright Citizens Brigade back in the nineties and everything. So it all makes sense uh, without a doubt. And uh, I, and it really was on display here. And it works in Ant Man too. I mean, without a doubt. There's there's it, it, I, I love uh, I love the first one a lot. Uh, so you know he 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 has a good handle on it. And like like you said, he used it very well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Two other just very short things for me of uh, I feel like he did a really great job of using the music and obviously Ludwig Goranson does the music, but I would imagine he does get some direction from the directors and the music was used to set up expectations and break them a couple times like that. Like it almost Mm -hmm. sounds like some kind of horse theme is is kicking in because there's a deep spiritual connection between the eggs, but (laughs) no child just needs to scarf and and make his uh, little lips wet in a (laughs) beautifully gross and funny way. Yeah, yeah, and the music
3: when the X wings are flying away was good. A lot of people commenting on that, and uh, yeah, as always, I mean it's it's a given. Every week we could just say the music, it's great, but it, it, you know it is for a reason.
2: Yeah, yeah, that shot when the Razor Crest finally pulls away, all broken and busted, and the you know dead legs of that giant spider just kind of flopped down. It's, oh, beautiful shot. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there was any moment that felt inspired by action figures to you?
3: Yes, I I'm going to announce now the High Plains Drifter Mando is going to be released soon by Hot Toys. Uh, <laughs> the shot of him in uh, the the uh, in this the haze of the Tatooine sun and sand, walking with all his gear, walking into town. Uh, I you know I'm just waiting for that figure price to go about three hundred fifty bucks. I'm waiting for that one. I'm waiting for that one.
2: Nice. That's a good one. You know, I am obsessed with these old uh, cinema scenes that they used to do, which would come with three or four action figures. And sometimes it'd be a, an important moment in Star Wars, and sometimes it'd just be a fun one. Uh, I, I really felt the action figure nature of the uh, Sabak Challenge uh, cinema scene, where you get an action figure of Pelimoto, yeah. Dr. Mandible, and Mando and the child uh, all standing there. And Mando with all that gear that he has to carry all by himself. I think that is a, a good little action figure scene for me. I love that one. I want that too yeah uh and the, the the razor crest and the x-wing chase was so great in that again it was executed really well but had that spirit of fun and adventure like a kid who has you know a little a razor crest micro machine and two x-wings and is just making it go zoom 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 and chase each other it had that spirit to it uh to me absolutely is there anything that we haven't uh touched on that you wanted to in this episode
3: uh, no, we, I, we, no, I, uh, I wanted to mention some of the Peyton's uh, credits cause I always, I just always forget myself. I forget, uh, I forget that. And inc- including a, a movie I love, bring it on. Uh, saw that in the theaters kids that's a whole nine, uh, 20 years ago now. Crazy. Uh, no, loved, all, loved all of it. And again, I, this is not an episode I think on paper that I, I would have thought if you just had said, here's what's going to happen. I would have been like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I go for a frog moms and stuff, but, uh, when put down and, and the show just really kind of uh, digging their heels in a way, not in a negative, stubborn way, but just like, this is what we do. This is what we're doing and we're, what we're going to do. And yet more things are going to come flowing in, in here and more characters. It just it, it, it was a joy to watch, uh, watch them kind of be like, yeah, this is we know we got this. We know what we're doing.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you mentioned one of the things that I wanted to touch on, which is be sure to shout out Misty Roses, who, who, who was uh, queel. Uh, did the physical performance of Queel and is uh, so great and so interesting on the Disney gallery show, kind of sharing how all of that went. And I thought she uh, killed it as frog lady or frog mom, uh, whatever you call her. She did a great job. I thought mm-hmm. um, oh. one other thing that I just wanted to mention, because I kind of noticed it more when I rewatched season one with my wife right before uh, season two is how much the previously on are not just setting you up for what, uh, what beats of storytelling from previous episodes do you need to be reminded of? The previously on often set you up for emotionally out of all the ideas that the Mandalorian is playing with what's going to be at stake. And I thought Mm -hmm. this one really did. It showed you those moments uh, that reminded you that the child was observing lots of violence and that Mando was, you know, really nervous about protecting him. So I think that's a fun thing to watch for is how much the previously on's Uh, tell you not only the information that you need to know or or remember but also, the I'm going to say it Ken, the previous (laughs) ons are a little bit of a tone poem (laughs) of what's at stake for the characters that episode too, I think
3: There you go, we're a bunch of artsy hippies up up in the day back in the day, there you go, tone poems
2: man, tone poems, everywhere you look, tone poems, Star Wars tone
3: poems I wouldn't describe Sinatra as a hippie though either. So (laughs) I
2: don't think he'd be quite down with that. He tried, he tried, but he wasn't, he wasn't quite into that. Uh, Anyway, uh, moving on. uh, Let's talk hopes or predictions for the next episode. What do you got? Yeah, man. That's, that's what we
3: talked about up top, man. That's really hard to do, but I, I I want the, not, not just the journey to continue that. There you go. I wouldn't mind if, if he gets, real close to Mandalorians um, and maybe even meets one. And maybe it's not, uh, uh, you know, a Bo-Katan or or someone that's going to super, super matter to the story and the seasons going forward, but uh, a false finish, uh, someone that uh, maybe it doesn't work out or someone's going to lead him to something more. I really want some kind of interaction, start seeing some interaction with him and true Mandalorians. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. So maybe we can get some seeds for it next week. I'd be excited.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I will say that when we were trying to predict things uh, last episode for the one that we are now reviewing, we did say, like, maybe he'll just get interrupted in his adventure. (laughs) And he did. Um, I think for next week, uh, we left off that he is going to this estuary moon. Uh, Estuary is, you know, a a word in in human language that uh, revolves around water. Uh, descriptions of different uh, specific kinds of water so i kind of feel like we're maybe going to be getting some of that images that we saw from the trailer that, that we're maybe we're going to that water world that we saw the uh, harbor and the cloaked figure and the barge uh so i'm kind of excited for that because that cloaked figure uh got everybody really excited so i, I kind of feel like that might be where the next episode is headed um mm-hmm. and then another thing i wanted to shout out for predictions is so far with only uh, two chapters under our belt for season two Structurally, it's, it's really matching season one. Uh, so both the first chapters for season one and season two are uh, longer episodes with uh, some bigger action that, you know, really get us in sync with where Mandalorian is right now um, and, and end with a surprise twist. Uh, you, season one, we meet uh, Baby Yoda. Uh season two, we meet old man Fett. <laughs> yep. So I guess every episode one of every season we're gonna meet uh an old character that we kind of know but don't. Um and then this this episode, uh chapter ten was I felt so similar to chapter two of a interu- an interruption in his adventure where he has to struggle with uh, emotional things and really struggle with uh, things aren't going well and it's kind of one problem after the other and I have to wrestle with my patience so if that held chapter three of season one the sin that's when some of the big storytelling really kicked into gear it's one of a lot of people that have that as their favorite episode or one of their favorite episodes of season one so I would not be surprised if that held true and uh, chapter 11 is going to be first contact with the Mandalorian learns that Bo-Katan is being held somewhere, uh, you know, gets abducted by a Sith cultists. Like, you know, (laughs) I I think it might be an episode where it kicks, uh, some of the larger plot into gear.
3: Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh,
2: last thing I wanted to say in terms of predictions, I can't remember if we discussed this, uh, but it's something I've been thinking about. And then like literally had a dream about last night in terms of expectation management. um, I, I wouldn't put money on this in Vegas or anything, but I just want to throw it out there as a possibility that we're all so excited by those Ahsoka rumors. And, and you and I have had long conversations about like, well, is this going to be uh, after she went on her Ezra search? And the thing that occurred to me uh, for the first time in these last couple of weeks is it could be a flashback. It, there's no guarantee yeah. that it's Ahsoka moving forward. Uh, and mm-hmm. to end uh, our episode, as we wrap up here with some um, Responsible speculation where I'm having fun with it. If it doesn't happen, that's fine. But I could see a thing where he meets Bo-Katan and he tells her like, hey, uh, you're the Mandalorian I've been looking for who has more information about these sorcerers. And she's like, oh yeah, I've met a bunch of them. And then we see her, as she's telling the story, we see her fighting side by side with Ahsoka back in the day. Um, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going full... Uh, papers on the board, strings connecting. I'm ranting here again. We also learned that uh, around a certain time, Ewan McGregor, quote unquote, tried on his costume. So it, it made me wonder if if it could be a flashback where Bo-Katan's like, oh yeah, let me tell you about some Jedi I know. And we just see cool, quick flashes of Ahsoka, Obi-Wan. Dare, dare. dare we dream of Anakin? Because there's also been various rumors about is Hayden Christensen coming back? Oh, it was just a voiceover. Oh, allegedly he was in costume. Maybe he was. Is, is this grossly irresponsible speculation, Ken? It is,
3: and I'm there. <laughs> um, well, I've I've seen some of the flashback conversations. I think even some folks in our Discord are talking about it uh, with Cobb Vanth doing that. But again, even with the the flashbacks of of uh, the Mando's childhood and seeing the battle droids and everything, they they've they've shown that they they don't mind going back and show you showing showing you stuff there. So. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that. I, I don't know which way, what you're pitching. I want more than anything now. Well, <laughs> we see a little bit more of a Soka sto- story in the here and now in the Star Wars galaxy. So I don't know. It could be, it could be sneaky, sneaky.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing is, is like on the responsible speculation side of it, instead of uh, my conspiracy theory that uh, we're going to see uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, which is, uh, you know, that's uh, absolute Star Wars nerdery fun. Uh, but I think on the more responsible side of it, I just want to be really prepped of like, yeah, we could see, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Ahsoka the White, the, the mentor figure who's really exciting. Or it could be a flashback. It, you know, it could be anything uh, in, or it could be a rumor that was accurate, but she's not actually in it until season three. And I want to be prepared for whatever it is and set those expectations for myself.
3: Uh, I'll, I'll keep you grounded, but I, I like what you're thinking.
2: <laughs> Thanks for keeping me grounded. Uh, we like to wrap up the show with a, a fun question. So Ken, if an X-Wing flew over you while you were driving down the Los Angeles highway and asked you to stop, would you pull over for the X-Wing or would you try to escape?
3: Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely pull over hands on at 10 and two on the wheel. Uh, tell them, uh, I'm reaching for my registration right now. Please don't lock your S-Foils into attack position. And, uh, and then ask if I could uh, get a ride. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know there's supposed to be just a single person in the cockpit, but come on, Come you on. can cuddle, right? I'll sit on your lap. Come on. Come on. Trapper wolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would I would pull over and I would try to get out my uh, license easy and then my registration. And then I keep all my registration. So uh, whenever that happens, it's, uh, it's never actually I've never actually been. Uh, Pulled over in L.A., but got pulled over a couple times back in my old hometown of Minneapolis for you know tail light out and tab one day late kind of things. Uh, Five five uh, miles over the speed limit, and the the cop is bored or looking for something uh, kind of incidents. And it's always like (laughs) it's happened like two times, or like I keep all you know how they send you updated insurance yes uh, cards, and like is like I can't find the one that's (laughs) current, but here are fifty, and they're like, oh geez, fine. (laughs) <laughs> I've been there you've been there in yeah. too many insurance cards all right well it's great to know that uh, if I'm ever driving with you and an X-Wing tries to pull us over we're, we're gonna pull over
3: great great yeah, we're race. not we're not running we're asking for a
2: ride we're asking for a ride give us a joy ride trapper wolf <laughs> Please. excellent uh, so any any other final thoughts from you Ken
3: no nah, fun episode you never know what to expect each week on the Mandalorian and that just makes it a joy to watch
2: Agreed. So do you want to tell people where they can find us?
3: I will. You can find us at uh, Four Center Pod on Twitter. We're on Facebook, like our page, Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We are also uh, on, uh, uh, what, what, what's the other? Oh, the Audible. <laughs> audible trial. <laughs> Force Center. Uh, get an audio book on us. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash force center uh you can uh, go see uh, my things at catnapsack.com
2: you can go to josephscrimshaw.com unless you've changed your website i have not changed my website or my name so you can follow me twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw and like ken said go to my website josephscrimshaw.com that is it for myself for ken for dr mandible this has been the mandalorian
5: report